You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health Podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds, like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. Hello, I'm Teresa McKee, your host for A Mindful Moment. Thank you for joining me as we explore ways to increase mindfulness in our day-to-day experiences. Mindfulness is presence, awareness. It's paying attention to what's happening within us and around us. Mindfulness increases our emotional, physical, and mental well-being. It can also enhance our focus and productivity, and there are many health benefits from practicing mindfulness and meditation, from lowering blood pressure to increased longevity. Perhaps most importantly in today's chaotic world, mindfulness strengthens our ability to be more compassionate to ourselves as well as others. At some point in time, Many of us are given the opportunity to ask the big questions in life. Who am I? What am I doing? Why am I doing it? Why am I here? It may come on the heels of a seminal event, like the pandemic we're still experiencing, or it may arise after a personal tragedy or loss. Most of us do not think about it on a regular basis so we can go years pursuing a career or lifestyle before we have something akin to an epiphany and rethink our lives. Many people are doing just that now, after spending months in lockdown or restricted from the majority of distractions that keep us, well, distracted. Unfortunately, when we wait for a tragedy or disaster in order to make major changes in our lives, we may make poor decisions based on reactions instead of responses. Taking the time to reflect, observe, and thoughtfully explore our options helps ensure that whatever changes we make will be in our best interest for the longer haul, even though it may take much more time to determine what actions to take. I had the pleasure of speaking with Kushal Toxi last week, author of On a Wing and a Prayer. His career at Goldman Sachs was forever changed on 9-11, as he made a split-moment decision to abandon his office and the co-workers who refused to leave the World Trade Center. Managing to narrowly escape, 
He witnessed the magnitude of death and destruction up close and was plunged into a lengthy depression where he found himself believing life was meaningless. His search for a renewed purpose began with a reluctant trip to a breathwork training session and eventually turned into a decades-long journey of spiritual discovery and a fierce devotion to the life-altering benefits of mindfulness and meditation. He and his wife now own Elements Truffles, an artisanal chocolate company built on values of Ayurveda, sustainability, giving back, and ethical trade, and Kushal serves on the U.S. Board of the International Association for Human Values. Welcome, Kushal. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Teresa. Your book, On a Wing and a Prayer, chronicles your journey from being at ground zero at 9-11 and how it sort of prompted you into your spiritual path that you began somewhat skeptically. And I just wonder if you can talk about some of the big questions you had that sort of prompted that journey. Certainly. I guess, as you pointed out, 9-11 or having made out of 9-11 definitely was the trigger for me to ask a bigger question. Um, it so happened that I was I used to work on Wall Street um, be- just before that. And I was so entrenched in the proverbial rat race of of this fast-paced Manhattan life that I'd perhaps stopped asking what I was doing and why I was doing what I was doing. And when this happened, it shook me up and beckoned me to ask a bigger question, that there had to be something more to life than, than what met the eye, perhaps. You know, that was the first time I, quest- I questioned the, the status quo uh, that I was so used to. But I struggled to find an answer. I was nowhere close to finding what to do next. You know, a part of me was very grateful for having survived. And there was a, there was a renewed sense of enthusiasm for life. But then other part was saying, you know, what's the point? You know, what if something like this were to ever happen again? And you're not so lucky the next time. So what are you really doing? So there was this uh, a tumultuous kind of push and pull. I kind of stayed where I was, stayed on the spot. And so, yeah, that was the first time I I kind of even asked what I was doing. One of the things that I, and I know that you're aware of it because I heard you on another podcast or an interview, but the correlations between 9-11 and the pandemic and everything that's happened. And, you know, I think for the first time for a lot of people that weren't even born during 9-11, this is the big seminal event where they've paused to to check in and say, okay, what are we really doing, right? Because the great resignation is like one of the points of evidence of that. And I'm wondering for you, what was the difference of, for me, this was, these were the two seminal events of my life. And I'm wondering for you, what was the difference or what was the same in your experience of going through the 9-11 catastrophe and then getting hit with this global pandemic and shutdown and everything that's happened? You know, you're absolutely right, Teresa. These two events feel like bookends between, you know, and my life seems to be like the book in between those these two events. I definitely very similar emotions, very similar feelings were evoked as the pandemic hit and we kind of were isolated and just were locked down. And some of those things came back up again. You know? So in some sense, it was very similar. I mean, we all were facing something that we had never seen or imagined or expected. We all started questioning. I, I can't imagine a single soul out there who's probably not questioned their work, their life, their relationships, everything that they're going through and, and perhaps second-guessed it, you know, what am I really doing? So in, in many ways, this was a 
this created similar walls around me, just like that 9-11. You know, it's somewhat unfortunate that, that one has to experience something like this to be asking such important questions, which we never ask. Fortunately, or unfortunately, it was not 9-11 that people had to experience. But again, this event, this last two years, have been no lesser in intensity or, or impact in some sense. We talk about this a lot where people don't make changes in their life until it's going really badly or, you know, so, you know, you hit rock bottom. And it's kind of the same thing with these two events, but on a, such a bigger scale. And we don't really stop very often to ask ourselves if we're on the right path or if we're, where are we hoping to really get in life, not just career wise or questions like that. So I absolutely agree with that. And one of the things that I was really curious about what I see as a dichotomy between working on Wall Street and pursuing a spiritual path. <laughs> and I'm sure it's not, but that's really my question is, because I know even once you left Wall Street, you stayed in finance for quite a while. And I'm just wondering how you straddled those two worlds. It's very interesting. The initial approach to the whole aspect or even the, the prospect of getting into meditation felt very foreign to me, you know, because I felt at that time, I had this preconceived notion that meditation could perhaps take an edge off or meditation can make you so calm and so relaxed that you don't want to go after the pursuits or ambitions or dreams that you have in the world. And I thought, and that's why I kept postponing. And, and as you pointed out, the, the skepticism was born out of, partly out of that, to think that, no, it, it's something maybe I should consider when I retire, when, when I'm done with everything and, and I have lots of time, that's when I do it. But now having meditated for almost 15, 16 years and having, having founded three startups and kind of having worked as a trader, portfolio manager on Wall Street all throughout in the backdrop, one thing was, is now very clear that it's meditation kind of makes everything else a lot more juicier. It, it gives you that strength, the ability to, to retrieve back, to, to rest, to rejuvenate so that you can go out in the world and even play harder. So to me, I feel it was a, a beautiful gift that just landed in my lap um, that I stumbled upon and a gift that keeps on giving. I always, as a Wall Street personality, Taipei trader, I would always think of things in form of return on investments. This is something, probably the highest return on investment activity that I've ever encountered in my life. <laughs> I love that description or analogy. So speaking of that, because you did struggle with meditation at first, mm. as you describe in the book, and I know a lot of our listeners struggle with it. And I was just wondering if you have any tips for people that maybe when they first sit down, think, oh, this is a waste of time, or this isn't going to help me, or how did you stick with it to get to the point that you could feel the benefits of it? Absolutely. Meditation is a waste of time, but it's a very skillful way of not doing anything. You know, we always want to sometimes say, oh, I hope I can't do anything. I just want to be. I don't want to do anything. But we can't because the mind just goes all around. My struggle initially was, you know, I had read a lot. I had a lot of concepts. I read about mindfulness and I had practiced little things here and there. And where I struggled was to keep thoughts at bay, to be more mindful to observe my thoughts, observe my you know, state of mind, observe my breath, to not think of something or to focus on something else. All this was in the realm of mindfulness practice that I had been exposed to early on. And as I 
got deeper into the practice, I realized that all of that, whether to not think of something or to watch something or to be aware of something is very frontal cortex activity. At the level of your mind, there is an effort involved in doing all of these or not doing something is also an effort. And one thing that mind does not respond to is effort. And if I ask you to close your eyes, Teresa, and not think of a book in a pink cover, what's the first thing that's going to pop up? (laughs) Exactly. So it's established now by research that mind does not, you cannot control your own mind with your mind. Mind does not respond to effort. So what you need is a technique that takes you beyond your mind, that helps you transcend your thoughts to a point where you're not focusing on them. If the thoughts come, you let them come. You're not saying, oh, I can only meditate when I don't have any thoughts. Such was my false understanding early on. But only thing that changed that was an experience, not more concepts, not more books, not more understand, deeper understanding. What changed it was an experience when the first time I stumbled upon this breathwork technique called sky breath meditation. And when I experienced that, that's when I realized that here now I could use my breath to transcend all those things that were mere impediments or obstacles for me to go deeper. Whether it was focusing on an object or resisting thoughts, I did not have to do any of that anymore. And that was refreshingly simple and welcoming because now I didn't have to struggle. I didn't have to, oh my goodness, this or that. No, all that was fair game. I just had to sit and and do this sky breath meditation, the rhythmic breath work. And it just took me to a place which was meditation. I did not have to put an effort to meditate. Excellent. Actually, one of my questions to you was because you talk about sky breathing in the book, was if you could explain what that is to our listeners. Certainly. So, you know, we have all these different functions in our in our body. Of course, at the physical level, we have these physical functions which allow us to interact in the world. We have functions of cognition, perceptions, memory, our own identity. And somewhere along the way, as the life happens, these functions go a little out of whack. The the rhythm, the harmony in these functions get disturbed. And that creates stress, that creates anxiety, that creates all these unwelcome things that nobody wants. What happens with sky breath, using the rhythms which are already inbuilt in our own breath, it breeds coherence in our system, aligns all these functions, harmonizes your nervous system and puts you in a state that is meditation. So it's a very innocent, very effortless way of going deeper within yourself and kind of experiencing who you really are, that inner core of our being, which really is that source of joy, source of energy, the source of being in the present moment. You know, I had read all this time about keeping your mind in the moment, not thinking of future, not thinking of past, being in the moment. But how do you do that? There is no guidebook to really, if you tell your mind be in the moment, again, it's, it's going to do everything other than that. So when I found this sky breath, at the first time I experienced a state of mind without turbulence, without thoughts. And then I realized, ah, this is what they talk about being in present moment is. Just through the action of your own breath, just rhythmically breathing in, in a guided voice, you, you just experience that present moment. I think that that's a really good tip for people that are especially new to meditation. We do recommend 
if you're struggling to use some kind of guided meditation to get started. I think even apps are good for maybe getting you in a habit. I don't think an app takes you, you know, into deep meditation, but Right. Um, but I, sky breath, we use that in our workshops sometimes. And I, I think it's an excellent technique and just for listeners, it's SKY. They want to look it up, but I do think that when you approach uh, meditation with the perspective or with the, maybe the attitude, or actually my next question to you is about intention and you reach out for that help. So, you know, go along with the guided meditation or do a group meditation. A lot of times that can get you past that initial hump. I, so I guess is what I'm trying to say instead of giving up, you know, that there are all these yes. different techniques we can use. Speaking of that, of intention, you have a chapter in the book on the power of intention. And I was wondering if you could describe why you think intention is so important in the process of monitoring or controlling our minds. This is what I learned from my teacher, Gurudev Shri Shankar, is that the whole universe, if you want to boil it down, this is three simple words, intention, attention, and manifestation. It starts with a subtle intention because our energies are going all around, right? Everything is a ton of things that are getting thrown at us. Our minds are distracted into multiple things, perhaps at the same time, not even in the same day, but at the same moment, there are multiple things that are prime for our attention. How do you channelize that energy that we have towards one thing? So it just starts with a subtle intention, not making a big concept of, of it, not making a real... Oh, oh, I have to go to do that. But this is something very innocent, something from the core of your heart. Okay, I'm just going to, for next few minutes, or for next, you know, next hour, next 30 minutes, this is what I want to attend to. Just, just putting it out there to the universe. Giving universe that chance to just respond back. With that intention being put out there, you put now your attention on it. You, you give your 100% to that activity that whatever you've taken up whether it's a project, whether it's an, a, a practice, whatever it is, you just then, you put your attention towards it and then just wait for magic to happen. Wait, wait for it to unfold and, and kind of work its way out. One of the important questions I want to ask is about your view of the purpose of life. I know that you went through a lot of internal transformations after the 9-11 tragedy. And I'm just wondering and including now with the pandemic, how has that affected really how you look at your purpose in life? I think it's a lifelong exercise, finding the purpose of one's own life. Again, he says something very beautiful. He says, those who know their purpose of life will not tell. And those who tell, they do not know. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's like, a path that you keep walking back and forth on. It's you, you have to, it's something that the question, it's a beautiful question to stay with that. What am I really here for? What am I doing? Who am I? It's been a beautiful process for me just to stay with that question. What does it really mean? I still ask that question to myself. What am I really doing? <laughs> for me, and I've talked about this before, but a lot of people think they have one purpose. And I don't think that's possible. I think it, it changes continuously because everything around us changes. And it's so funny, this week's podcast is about us being a work in progress. Like we're never going to get there, whatever you're thinking there is. It's, you know, it's a, it is the journey because it changes constantly. Because so. there is nowhere to get. There's right. no one to become. <laughs> you're right. It, it is the journey. And perhaps one of the purposes could be to enjoy the journey, be in the moment. Exactly. And I guess if you, if you, really achieve that, then, then all the purpose falls away, right? Because you're in the moment. You're not even thinking of where you want to be. True. Oh, that's a really good point. 
I wanted to also ask you about the three modes of one's consciousness that you describe in the book and how having desires is not really a problem. And the reason I'm asking that is it ties into what I asked you about being on Wall Street and following a spiritual path is a lot of people misunderstand somehow that being spiritual or being mindful or meditating somehow means you have to sacrifice or give up worldly desires or all materialism or, you know, you know, along that vein. So I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. Absolutely. And, and guilty as charged. I used to think that, as I said earlier, I, mean, I, I thought that was one of the negative side effects of meditation, but it's so not. I mean, you know, so these three modes that I've talked about in my book, which I learned from my teacher, he spoke about the desire, the action, and the knowledge or wisdom. So these three are such an intertwined or modes of our life that it's like we're wearing a, a spectacles. And after a point, you're not even aware of the lens between you and the world. So these three things are so close to us that perhaps somewhere one transitions into other and kind of lose our attention on these three. But a judicious mix of all these three, having a life-fulfilling or life-supporting desire, an action, a harmonious, a right action towards it, with the wisdom that everything is changing. Everything around us is so impermanent. That is so key to everything we do. That is so key to getting everything done without feeling unstuck. Because otherwise, when these three things go out of balance, desire, strong desire without the wisdom, you get stuck into that activity when that activity doesn't yield results in the due time that we expect it to. Or just the wisdom without the desire or the supporting action can make you feel so inert or just like, okay, so what? What's the point of all this? So having that the beautiful balance of the right desire, the right action that supports that and the wisdom that kind of keeps everything in check, gives you that strength to move through it. And now I know you now are not trading anymore. You and your wife have a chocolate shop. Is that correct? That's right. <laughs> I, I really appreciated that sort of transition because it's not just a chocolate shop. You operate it in a very mindful way. Mm -hmm. So could you maybe describe how you run this business now compared to what we think of as a typical business? So my wife also was a Wall Street trader. Um, we decided that we really wanted to do something that has a lot of purpose, that has uh, some impact. So we created Elements Truffles, which is our an artisanal chocolate company founded on the principles of Ayurveda and giving back. So we decided not to chase bottom line, unlike our previous ventures where we were just singularly focused on that. So here we work directly with the farmers in Ecuador as we import their cacao. There's a, a strong degree of fair trade involved as we source our ingredients. There's a very mindful way of making these chocolates the team meditates before making the chocolates and we play sound baths as the chocolates are being made and once the chocolates are sold the 25 percent of the profits go towards educating underprivileged children in tribal areas of india with our partnership with care for children so there's a there's a lot of heart in the entire chain from beginning to the end and something we found really romantic to start with but when the rubber hit the road, we found it really challenging because when you talk to an investor, they're like, what do you mean 25% of the profits are given away? No, we want. So 
there were so many decisions we had to make or or not make just because of certain ethos that we started with. But we are so proud and so happy that we've st- stuck with it. We stayed the course, and it's something we really enjoy. Chocolates and meditation is something that really make us happy, and and here we are <laughs> doing it um, as, as our as our full time activities. So. Well, I thank you for creating a model that maybe other organizations can follow, because I think that would make the whole world a better place. So thank you for sharing that. I guess as we close, you know, I would just like to ask you how listeners can learn more about you and the book. On my website, uh, kushalchoksi.com, my first name and last name. Um, The book is on Amazon, perhaps on a store near to you. And I'm fairly active as a newbie author on social media, more active than ever before. So Hit me up on Facebook or, or Instagram or Twitter. Um, I would love to hear from you. I would love to connect with you and kind of walk on this path together. Right. Yeah, I really appreciate your time today. And I thank you for writing the book. It is a very interesting insight for an outsider to read what someone went through that started off with that horrific day and has really turned it into a learning opportunity and prosperity and abundance after that. So I think it's an inspirational story. And I thank you for sharing that too. Thank you. Thank you for helping me share that in the world. Thank you. Thanks again to Kushal for sharing his experiences and gained wisdom from both 9-11 and the pandemic. You can find a link to his book on A Wing and a Prayer on our website and see the full interview on our YouTube channel. I think one of the most important points we discussed was life's journey. As we talked about last week, we are continuously a work in progress, and the answers to the big questions change over time. Living in the present while pursuing our desires and goals leads to a rich and rewarding journey and ensures that regardless of what happens in the world, we are able to mindfully respond, which not only best serves us, but contributes to a better world. Until next time, we can live better lives and create a better world. All it takes to get started is a mindful moment. Meditation is the most effective technique to strengthen mindfulness. The key to experiencing the full benefits of this practice is to meditate every day, even if you start with just a few minutes and work your way up to 20 to 30 minutes per session over time. Consistency counts, and the benefits are cumulative. So be kind to yourself and meditate daily. Each time your mind wanders away from the breath, simply return your focus to the breath. It is in this noticing that you're building your mindfulness skills. Your mind may wander a hundred times in just a couple of minutes, and that's normal. Each time you notice... That's mindfulness. Work to Live's Dynamic Coaching Certification Program is a self-paced online course series that strengthens emotional intelligence and mindfulness skills, along with relationship building, communication skills, time management, self-motivation, and more. Visit our website for an informational video on the program. You can also find resources for self and leadership development, as well as the latest books by authors we interview on this show. Go to worktoliveproductions.com slash book club to start shifting your quality of life today. 
And be sure to visit our YouTube channel at Work to Live, where you'll find videos of our interviews, animated shorts on daily living and working, guided meditations, and more. Please subscribe to A Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And rate this podcast so that others can find us. Follow us on social media at Work to Live. A Mindful Moment is written by Teresa McKee. The English version is hosted by Teresa McKee, and the Spanish version is translated and hosted by Paola Tile. Intro music, Retreat, by Jason Farnham. Outro music, Morning Stroll, by Josh Kirsch, MediaWrite Productions. Thank you for tuning in. This podcast is produced by Work to Live Productions.